Hello and welcome back to the Power Switch, gaming's call-in talk radio show. My name is Peter Spasia and today is September 23rd, 2017. This is the 38th episode of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We use Discord as a means to add and drop callers to talk about video games and switch the power that is found in a typical gaming podcast. You can join our server to participate during recordings at rhymeswithasia.com slash call. Got another guest on the show today. It's been a long time coming for this one. He's a very busy man, but we wanted to track him down. He's part of Model Citizens Media. He writes freelance guides for IGN.com. Max Roberts, welcome back to the Power Switch. How are you? I'm doing well, Peter. How are you? Very, very good. You've been on the show a couple times. Uh, yeah, so I'm back. I'm glad the to, original days. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so glad to have your voice here in this, this guest capacity. Uh, yeah, looking forward to you contributing. Uh, you host uh, many different shows over on Model Citizens Media, which is your your podcast network that you host with your cohorts. One of them being Logan Moore, who we've had on the show before. Uh, so you do Millennial Gaming Speak. You do Behind the Pixel. I'm a big fan of those. Uh, so I guess you know. I guess any other things that you want to plug? Give the rundown of. Who you are and what you do. I want to write about video games. I've been actually listening to you for a long time, as you know, since mm. the Show Me Your News early days there. Back in those um, days, yeah. Yeah, and I've been doing some freelance work for IGN, writing different game guides and stuff, and uh, most recently is the Model Systems Media, like you plugged. I mean, we've got four different shows. The two of them that you mentioned, Millennial Gaming Speak, is just our weekly gaming show, like the Power Switch, uh, except we don't have people calling. We just bug people to come on the show every now and then <laughs> it's been uh, it's fun fun to join I've, i must say i've appreciated the times you've asked me on before oh yeah it's i love when you come on the show we always usually it's around nintendo stuff like big nintendo it stuff. happens to be then yeah i love i love good nintendo discussions i think they're the most fun to talk about and um behind the pixel that's a monthly interview show that i do with different people in the game industry last month we had uh, graham pooh bear on there he's a, a mario streamer on twitch that was a really fun conversation to have. We got two other shows, uh, the Model Citizen show, where we just goof off and talk about whatever. This week we talked about Toys R Us, which then led into a Star Wars discussion somehow. Boy, oh boy, um, do I have some uh, some Toys R Us stories. We may get to them <laughs> later in this show here. A, it sounds like Toys R Us is a hot topic lately. Yeah, yeah. Not, not for the right reasons, necessarily. <laughs> and then uh, the other one is uh, Reeling in the Years, which is... My co-host Logan and Michael do a, a music show where they pick kind of a year and then talk about music in the world around that time and stuff. Uh, but they, they slack pretty hardcore on that one. They're a bunch of slackers. And I <laughs> tell them they need to get on it. Well, you haven't been slacking, though, on, on your guests for Behind the Pixel. I mean, you've gotten some, some great guests, whether it's you know, Per Schneider or Danny O'Dwyer. I mean, Alex O'Neill we've had on this show as well. But you know, those are some, some good polls there. I try. It's, I just mostly stalk people on Twitter and then reach out to them that way or if their DMs are open try to but sometimes it's really hard to get people to it's like you try to keep going bigger and Mm -hmm. then I don't know it's it's hard to find people sometimes Uh, I I can relate I hear you I love doing this show no absolutely well let's get into the games that we're playing real quick we'll kind of go through them kind of I guess mark the moment in time of where we're at I'd like to start with you Max what are some of the games you're playing at the moment it is a very special time, not only in my life, but the world, that we are all playing a, air quotes, new Metroid game. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. I've been playing Samus Returns on the 3DS, which will probably be my 3DS's swan song. Might get that Mario Superstar. What is it? Is it? 
the, the Mario the Top 100. Oh, no. The, oh, yeah. The Superstar no, the, Saga. Yeah. Uh-huh. The Superstar Saga. Plus Bowser's Minions. Where is, <laughs> where is Partners in Time? Where does that remake? That's, that's a good question. That's, Put that on um, Switch. That's what they need to do. You know? <laughs> my gosh. You could. And I bet you could make that co-op. Mm. I bet you could split those Joy-Cons. But yeah, I've been playing uh, Samus Returns. I'm like in the third area. And man, it is a good game. It's... I think the best use of 3D on the system. Wow, wow. Sorry, Super Mario 3D Land. I think it sounds great. It plays, it's just, it's exactly the 2D Metroid experience you want. But I think it takes the, what Team Ninja, I mean, they did successfully. They made it more action-y with other M. But I feel like uh, Mercury Steam has done that while keeping the spirit of the 2D Metroid-style gameplay, but giving you that 360 aiming and some more power-ups and stuff that are more fast-paced action stuff. It plays like a dream, and I'm curious to see how this may or may not influence Prime 4 mm, yeah. uh, whenever that decides to come out. But it's good to have Metroid back. I can't wait to play it. Uh, it's going to be my trip game as I leave for a business trip here very shortly. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to be bringing that 3DS along and got it all locked and loaded, ready to go. That's what uh, Logan just did. He just went on a, a trip uh, to Chicago for a concert, and then he had a a quick flight out to San Francisco for some work for Dual Shockers. Yeah, he got to play um, some Assassin's Creed Origins. Lucky him. He, he did. He got to play for, I think he said, four hours. Nice. So nice. I'm excited to read that preview and stuff, but he, he got to go out there and do all that, and he say, he was saving Metroid for that flight. You know, that's a... How long is the flight to San Francisco? I think six-ish hours? Oh, no, not from Chicago. No. Uh, that'd be probably a, a three, four-hour one. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom's been going over there lately, and I think, th- but that's Florida distance. Oh, yeah, that's that, yeah, that's closer that's to distance. five, six, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, he saved it for that, and he had it both ways. So he's pr- honestly probably a little farther than I am. I've, I sit down and try to play it uh, when I have a moment because I'm playing another, a little game, a tiny game called Destiny 2. Oof, yeah. It's more Destiny, but refined and maybe streamlined and stripped down a little bit more bare bones so it's easier to access for new people, but Destiny is a good game. I'm pretty really amazed like from uh, what I'm hearing from all across the internet. I mean, I got only to like the, you know, got to the EDZ and, you know, you got that first mission mm-hmm. from Hawthorne. I mean, I kind of, you know, stopped there. Uh, you know, I, I liked what I played. I, I'd like to to continue but it, it's that feeling of you know everyone just zooms and just gets so high level then you're just like well i'm kind of left here in the dust while i play other things so yeah it's if you do the story which is um much better than anything they did with destiny mm-hmm. one i'm not the greatest but you know at least there's substance there and, it, and it's sounding like it's you know they really put a good product together this year it wouldn't surprise me to you know, maybe we'll see it in, you know, different, you know, the game awards, whatever, when they throw in, you know, game of the year award nominees or things like that. It wouldn't surprise me to see Destiny 2 all over that. I wouldn't be surprised either. I think this is a, definitely a more complete package. But when you complete that story, your levels should be pretty close. And then, then really the grind will start and you'll be trying to get up to, you'll be in the 200s and you'll be right. trying to push up to the late 200s so you can do raids and all that kind of stuff. But the story, I mean, you stick to the story and you should be decent level by the end of it all. Mm-hmm. They they made it that way. It's pretty cool. Well, excellent. And then you've been playing another game. Another, another one last game that I've like ebbed and flowed. Destiny really put a, a chunk, took a chunk out of time on it. But I've been playing Persona 5. 
Yes, you have. I played 40 hours and then stopped for a few months. And I kept, during those couple of months, I was like, don't forget where you are. Don't forget where you are. Don't <laughs> let this happen. Um, and so I remembered I was in the pyramid. I don't think if I just say pyramid, that's yeah, not really that's fine. Spoiler. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there and I was trying not to forget and I didn't. And then I had to watch uh, my mom's apartment and cats for, I think, like a week. And I took my PS4 and I said, goodbye, Doom on the Xbox. And I just played Persona that whole time. And man, that game is good. That's a good that's game. A really, oh, man. And now I am at the uh, casino. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's the final palace or not but you, you've got you've I'm got at. a bit more to go i'm about i think 65 hours in i hear roughly 80s kind of the average so i want to get back to it and actually i have to watch her cats again next week because oh, she's perfect. going out to visit my dad i'm like huh, huh i might i might just take this game back with me but yes i've been playing that and that game's no joke man yeah <laughs> yeah i mean if, if i if i would give you an estimate of how much you have left you have one big palace after that and then okay. you're in end game stuff so it's like after after that next palace it's like another eight to ten hours to the finish so okay i think Sweet. i think if you put in another good weeks worth of play you, you'd get that done oh man i'm loving that game it just it gets better and better mm-hmm. the more i peel back into it there are some things i feel like i could do with one less companion in my team hmm. i feel like some one person was added just a little too late for me to like care yeah, yeah necessarily I, I about agree. her yep i love ryuji he's probably my favorite <laughs> interesting uh, i'm i'm one of those people i he was the first companion yeah, i leveled he's, up he's your bro yeah. that's what they call him yeah, yeah. I, I maxed him out first i just loved that relationship so like there's a kotaku article is like defending ryuji i think mm-hmm. and i remember some of the staff didn't agree with it but i I love. I think he's probably my favorite, and then I chose uh, my relationship outside of my group of friends. I chose one of the different characters. You can, I guess, romance would be the term for that. I, I got. I got to ask who. Uh, the my teacher Kawa- Kawakami. Did you really? Interesting. Yeah. Wow. And okay. Dude, her her power. Oh yeah. Is nice. Yeah, it's that um, that rank ten is is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I I think part of the reason I chose it was is. My fiance Abby's a teacher, and she kind of looks like okay, her. Okay, like, okay. I can roll with this. Yeah, that's um, that's natural. It's only you know an adult and a high school student, whatever. <laughs> it's a game, but I, the, uh, there was another Kotaku article that talked about those confidants mm-hmm. and you know romancing them and stuff. And it's it's weird because it's an adult playing the game, right? And but the, my character is a teenage boy, which I guess I don't really think about until you know you read it's about presented, it. Yeah, really think about it. <laughs> yep, yep. But that's what I decided to do. And then afterward, when I'd already gone down that path, my friend told me what her rank 10 was. was Oh, yeah. Ooh, it is the best. It is great. That is the one nice thing. I mean, you compare Persona 4 and 5. I mean, I know it's 4 is my favorite game of all time, Golden in particular. It's up there for Mm -hmm. people like Alex O'Neill. you know, five is excellent. Like it improved so much in the gameplay department, but you know, I don't think you know the characters really stuck with us as much. But the one, one of the best improvements is, is giving those kinds of uh, improvements in the the, the downtime, the social world of the game, all those mm-hmm. kind of different ranks up. I mean, yeah, you got those kind of powers for your your teammates uh, in in four, but for every social link, for every confidant to matter that much, like that was an. That was an awesome improvement for sure. 
I honestly find myself trying to push through palaces faster so I can get back to the social <laughs> stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a great game. I, I don't think it's anything's going to dethrone it as my favorite of the year. Uh, and I yeah. went with Makoto for what it's worth. That was that was my okay romance of choice. No, I'm like I'm glad it. to hear you're you're really enjoying it. That's that's awesome. I hope. I know the odds of this happening are like 0.1%, but I hope it comes to Switch. Oh. It could it, it could run on it. They got it on a PS3. Exactly. Think, just give us like a Persona 5 Crimson or something. I, I think that's the only way is that if you have something like that. Um, but that yeah, would like, be like fantastic. Like they did for Vita. I, I'd love that. It would just, it'd be so perfect. Yes, it would. It sure it's would. So Oh man, we can we can just talk about that for for hours. I'm sure though. Uh, I am playing through more Yakuza Zero. Uh, okay, got through now, some good progress there. Which one is Zero? Because Logan has been talking about the series Yakuza mm-hmm. for a while now, wanting yes. to play it. But like, I don't know which which is which. Okay, so I have not played any Yakuza games before this, and I, with you know friends and fans of the show who have really dug into the series starting with zero uh and then kiwami also just came out uh that was you know a couple weeks ago and kiwami is a remake of yakuza one which was you know back in 2005 or so that it was made um okay so so that one's like it's a 30 dollar release game and whereas zero came out in i want to say like march of this year something like that and it was a that's a full sixty dollar uh, release. New okay. So zero is like the prequel of the series, and that's why it makes a really good starting point. Uh, there are things in Kiwami I, I hear I read that you know if you just jumped in with that one and you don't play zero, like there are connections and characters and references that don't mean as much. Uh, I would agree that zero is a really good place to start. Uh, I'm really enjoying my time there. Uh, it's it's designed like a 2015 game because that was when it was made in Japan. So it took a couple years to come out over here. But this is the okay. year where Yakuza is just you know it's it's gone crazy here uh, westward. You know, Zero did really well with sales. They had Kiwami made for Japan, and then they just announced Kiwami Two for the Japanese audience. That comes out there uh, like December 7th, and that's a remake of of Yakuza Two out there. But they only really made it because of how well Zero did in the West. And then you have mm-hmm. now Yakuza 6, which is going to be the next new installment of that series. That comes out here in the West in March of next year, like March 20th. So a whole lot of Yakuza. Basically, I think most people describe it as like Japanese GTA. It's uh, kind of but the that's, vibe I get yeah. from the gameplay I see. Yeah, but that's that's not really the best way to put it. Yeah, it is open world in Japanese, like very... Very, very Japanese. It kind of reminds me like the exploration of the world, almost Persona-like, and how faithfully they've recreated certain parts of of Tokyo. And there's also an Osaka sort of area as well. Uh, But the charm of Yakuza is like it's it's deep, gritty story. Obviously, Yakuza it's going to be you know Japanese mafia and all the Mm -hmm. the sinister sort of connections there. But there are lots of mini games in Yakuza. So whether you're playing karaoke or you're, you know, playing billiards, mahjong, shoji, um, or shogi rather, <laughs> um, or whether it's things like you're collecting cards of Japanese idols and then you're going to go watch a videotape. Cause part of it is, uh, Yakuza zero takes place in 1988. So there's like okay. a certain, 
dated style to it also yeah you're watching vs vhs tapes that's essentially softcore porn of these girls so maybe you've seen different clips like that floating around the internet and there's a trophy I, where it's like you get a you gotta watch a tape for that so i've seen a there's a screen cap that like mm-hmm. people have used as thumbnails and stuff i've yep. seen that yeah. yeah so i it's it's all little different things like that but it's it's a beefy game uh i'm only halfway through i'm in a uh, chapter eight so i'm trying to think of it's because it's been several days since i, I last played so i'm trying to remember what happened in the story? Um, I'm playing as one of the characters, Majima, who's he starts as this this club owner, uh, and so I basically just got to the part where uh, it, it's just after where he opens up his like a new club, and there there's a mini game where you have to grow a uh, a club that's kind of down on its luck, and you have to kind of compete with the big club owners around. It's kind of like a, a side mini game, but you're going back and forth between these two main characters. Uh, Kazuma Kiryu, who's like the main series protagonist throughout all of the different games. And then uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Goro Majima, who's going to be kind of this antagonist character. I mean, maybe you've seen in in Kiwami some of the the promotion there. It's like, oh, you know, Majima everywhere. And so I guess the two are going to kind of be rivals. And so Majima can just pop up anywhere and you got to kind of battle him. It's a it's a 3D beat em up sort of gameplay style. Uh, mm-hmm. it can be frustrating at points where you can have, you know, just these gangs of enemies and they'd be juggling you essentially. So it can get frustrating at times there. Uh, but yeah, I, I love the, the Japanese aesthetic. The gameplay is a whole lot of fun and, you know, there's nothing like all of the different, uh, the different mini games that go along with it. But yeah, so I'm kind of halfway through that and I've probably put in 20 hours or so. So it's, okay. it's it a, sounds pretty zany. Yeah. It's a, it's a beefy game for sure. And then I've also been uh, playing Pokemon Gold uh, that just came out on the eShop for you know, Virtual Console, Gold and Silver. It's been more interesting, I think, to watch my wife play Silver. Uh, she's never played Gen 2. She played a little bit of Heart Gold, Soul Silver. But to go back to Gen 2 uh, shows some of the, the datedness of Pokemon back then. But it's, it's the best game overall with you know, Gold and Silver, Heart Gold, Soul Silver. Um, you get that Celebi through Sun and Moon. Uh, but, you know, just play a little bit here and there, just some downtime. I'm right now at Union Cave, so you're between the first two, like the first and the second gym. So mm-hmm. uh, I got my party. I picked Totodile. I got a Ghastly in Sprout yes. Tower. I picked a Hoot Hoot over a Pidgey because I was playing at night. So picked that as a flying type and then got a Mareep. And then one more oh, was the other one I got. Of Geodude, you got to get a Geodude early on. So, oh, of course, always. Uh, so that's a it's a pretty decent. And then of course you got the the Pokemon Egg. So, is the emulation just as solid as they did with Blue and Red? Yeah, I mean the emulation's solid. Uh, I think it's more impressive, and we'll have to see. You know, near the end of the game when you transfer all those Pokemon up to the Pokemon Bank, because. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, those first two generations, like those don't have all of the necessary IVs that, you know, today's Pokemon have. They don't have natures. They don't have abilities. But yet they say that those the Pokemon from those games are able to scale up through up to the bank. And so they must do some sort of random generation with those. I think that's that's fascinating. So I wonder how that works. Yeah. Yeah. That feature of just having Pokemon Bank in these old games strikes me as so cool because I guess wasn't there a way you could bring them all up the way through the DS and stuff if you had like an OG DS and the Game Boy Advance cartridges yeah, and stuff? Yeah, like there was it's, it's, some it's convoluted very way to bring yeah. them up, but now it's a streamlined way to 
have Gen 1 Pokemon. You know, kids could technically start in blue and have their, you know, Bulbasaur, Venusaur, whatever, carry all the way up this Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and that always strikes me super cool. Kids today don't know how lucky they have it. And if they're making Bulbasaur <laughs> choice like I did back in the day, uh, they're they're having it easy. I think some people would say, oh, it's the wrong choice. But uh, no, I, it's the I, right choice. I picked Bulbasaur back in the day. I'd, you have those Bulbasaur first two gems that. with rock and water. You got to go that way. <laughs> people call it easy mode. I call it smart mode. There you go. There you go. Well, I'm sure we spent you know quite a bit of time talking about the games you're playing. You know, we're when we were both familiar with talking on gaming podcasts, it tends to happen. So let's go through the headlines that have happened in our headline roundup. Max, we start with PlayStation and their Tokyo Game Show conference. Uh, yeah, if you've stayed up at you know 3 a.m. or whatever to, to watch this on the East Coast, maybe you no. got some interest out of it. But I think you know the biggest headlines were they talk a lot about Monster Hunter, of course, Monster Hunter World confirming a January yeah. 26th worldwide release. Uh, you also had Left Alive, which is a spiritual successor to Front Mission. So you had Shinji Hashimoto, the director there. Yoji Shinkawa, the famous Metal Gear Solid character designer, you know, having his notable style for some of the main characters there. And you have also uh, another designer who's worked on things like Xenoblade Chronicles X. So it's like a, a almost like a kind of Japanese dream project to bring a a survival action kind of game left alive is the game check our show notes for the trailer but then also son of the enders the second runner is getting a playstation vr remake uh anything else from that conference really jump out at you i think you pronounce it niku atsume vr for PlayStation oh yeah neko atsume yeah mm-hmm. neko atsume yeah uh abby loves playing that on her phone that mm, cat collecting it yes. is so cute and I can't wait to see that in VR. That should like, be interesting. I don't know yeah. if it's gonna be if they're gonna be like three D versions of the cats or just <laughs> weird two D. It's gonna be cool either way. But you're just gonna lay back that, and just be smothered in cats. Oh my gosh, it's probably a VR dream. Yeah. But yeah, that was the only other thing that really stood out to me. I I went to bed that night forgetting that TGS was happening while I was sleeping, and when I woke up and checked Twitter, normally I wake up and there's maybe like two hundred ish tweets I've missed or yeah, something. Yeah. Uh, and I woke up and there were like 600. I was like, oh, oh wow. The the <laughs> yeah, that, that would do it. A press conference would certainly do it. But, you know, I think it's definitely a more Japanese targeted conference, of course. So yes. I don't think as too many Americans get enough out of it. But hopefully there was something there that, you know, really caught your interest. Go give that a watch for sure. I wanted to talk about the Apple conference, though, that happened the previous week. Cause you're, you're one of the biggest Apple fans I know. Uh, yeah. Very interesting to have that game company, Genova Chen, come on stage and show off Sky as an Apple exclusive. Uh, what did you think of that? Well, at first I thought, is this really an Apple exclusive? Yeah. And then yeah. later they did come out and say it will come to other platforms. They didn't say what. But the to me, it was like a, a gaming moment's kind of like when Miyamoto came out obviously not as huge as Miyamoto coming out but like this is that game company and they're gonna they're putting their game on iOS first I I can't imagine playing that game on my phone Apple TV kind of makes sense but with the one controls my dad in particular is really excited he loves flower and journey and stuff and he has his Apple TV and so when he saw that he got really stoked because he loves the games that they make but what a get i don't know if it's better for apple or for that game company to have the i don't know who wins out more there but it's pretty crazy to see 
they're, I always just assumed it would just be a multi-platform launch right off the bat since their contract with Sony ended. Mm-hmm. But going to Apple for a launch exclusive, that's really interesting. I'm curious how the sales are going to be on that and what the price point is because you know Mario Super Mario Run was ten dollars and it'll it'll actually be five dollars in a couple of weeks for a brief sale. And then The Witness just came out for ten dollars. So I'm curious how Sky will be priced as well. Like it's a they seem to be getting more full experiences on iOS as far as games go, and I'm the, it's going to be interesting to watch that market. And I don't know if I'm going to play it there first or just wait for PlayStation. Right. But I mean, if my dad buys it, then I guess I technically have it to the family. <laughs> sure plan, could, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to see that running on the phone is going to be weird for sure. And cool for sure, and it's got to be a really big pressure moment for that game company. They've talked about for years. You know, how do you live up to Journey from 2012 and all the Game of the Year awards it mm-hmm. won and all the the notoriety and just. That really put them on the map. So I've, I'm sure they've been feeling the pressure. They've said so in different interviews. And yeah, that's a big get for Apple, but it's also a lot of pressure for, for that game company, as you said. I'd, I'd be interested to see how, how it goes. And yeah, I, I may wait for the other platforms uh, to come there. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. You know, Apple trying to make bigger pushes. It's, it's something where you know that happened and the game industry perked up. Uh, but I mean, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you're also very excited for the different Apple products as well, though. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that I've noticed, at least lately, is with iOS 11, they redesigned the App Store for the first time. Yes, they did. And forever. And when The Witness came out uh, a few days ago on iOS, they had different, basically, headlines or cards or whatever you want to call them. A bunch of different interviews, not only with, um, now I'm blanking on his name. Jonathan Blow. Jonathan Blow, thank you. Mm-hmm. They had interviews with him. They had different thing articles about the game. It was like it was like a game website, like news and different exclusive content covering the launch of this game, which to me shows that at least they seem to be caring more about the quality of stuff they're putting out. And a lot of stuff was left behind due to the it, games now need to support 64-bit. Mm. But like Flappy Bird is completely dead now. Yeah, like that's you can't that's play something. Yeah. Uh, that's the biggest kind of headline with that. So it, they seem to be caring more about the quality of the stuff on their store and at least sh- putting a really nice spotlight on the good stuff. So I'm curious to see how Sky is treated when it comes out because this is kind of their first big exclusive. Yeah, and yeah, Apple's definitely trying to cater that kind of content. So definitely something to keep an eye on, absolutely. Uh, Bruce Straley has left Naughty Dog. Uh, so obviously a, a very notable career at that company, at that studio. Uh, most recently, you know, co-directing with Neil Druckmann. I mean, The Last of Us, Uncharted 4, you know, the, the game director portion of that, whereas Neil Druckmann was more the creative director side of things. Uh, you know, he had kind of taken a kind of hiatus from the company after Uncharted 4 and, you know, spend time with the family and now he seems to wants to go off to do different things. And, you know, all the more power to him that's, you know, his... You know, his his charge for his career, uh, but mm-hmm. man, like you'd be hard pressed to find uh, a resume that's you know has so many "quote unquote" ten out of tens. Like, that's I mean, I mean, yeah, he's got Uncharted two, Last of Us, and Uncharted four as game director. Yeah, that's kind of there amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm curious if when he announced his leaving, if it was anything. Not that they're on the same par. I mean, one's Western and Eastern, but when Hideo Kojima left Konami, mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm sure he just got like people all over him trying to bring him on. And I'm curious 
if that happened with Bruce and who has reached out and maybe tried to hire him and stuff. But I imagine he doesn't want to do anything big, yeah. at least for a while, because when he announced his sabbatical, that didn't really surprise me, especially after two, in my opinion, 10 out of 10s, but definitely two highly publicized and covered and just promoted games. A lot of intensive work, I'm sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. And apparently it's talked about a little bit in uh, Jason Schreier's book as well, The Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Mm, yeah. So his leaving didn't really surprise me because he took such a long break afterward. Uh, and I wish him all the best. I mean, he can do absolutely whatever he wants, and I hope he is happy and picks whatever he wants to do. Um, I'm sure he can go do whatever he wants, but yeah. No, absolutely. Wish him all the best for sure. Mm-hmm. Interesting to see an article pop up this week where hackers are digging into Nintendo's Switch and finding the NES game Golf, which is coded by Satoru Iwata, and you know, saying like, "How can we activate this on this system?" Apparently, it's you know on uh, July 11th, which is the date of Iwata's passing. If you take the Joy Cons and do the directly to you, as I knock into my microphone here, the the directly to you pose, uh, that apparently can. You know, activates a voice clip from Iwata himself and then brings up golf uh, from NES. And I missed the voice clip part of it. I, I, I didn't know that. I, I haven't heard it, but that's when I when I read different reports, that's you know, people say that a voice clip uh, plays from him. Okay. Yeah, the weird thing is is like we can't do it until actually July eleventh, even if you go in and change the system clock. I guess if you've hooked your system up to the internet at all. It basically just kind of remembers in the background the actual date. Yeah, I think the only thing is um, if you buy a new Switch and you don't connect it to online. It, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was actually thinking about this today, and I don't know why, but I wonder what that means for time travel and Animal Crossing. Hmm. Yeah, I wonder. That like a separate, completely different thought. <laughs> but I was like, huh. I wonder if that'll put a stop to it. But it's pretty weird that there is an NES emulator already in the Switch. Well, it gives you know some some good hope for whenever Virtual Console comes around that you know something I mean, can be done. We know there will be Virtual Console games at least in 2018 when they launch their online service. One would hope. Yep. Hopefully, but I hope it's a little sooner than that. But yeah, it's really cool that they put that in there. I guess I just wish people could actually access it because it looks like it's got joy-con motion controls and stuff in it which would line up a little bit with what they're saying with mm, modifying right. nes games for like online play and stuff so yeah, yeah. I, I think that one of the bigger things of this story is when people talk about the the japanese tradition of what they say is omamori which is like a, a kind mm. of uh in a way like i guess the american version would be called like a tribute uh mm-hmm. but it's it says in this kotaku article they're Omomori are talismans made of silk and paper that are left at shrines. Um, they they are generally like I guess meant to bring good luck or protection. And they're in a way like they're they're charms, like good luck charms. Uh, so the the fact that you know Iwata was so loved at Nintendo that you know they try to put a little piece of him, a little piece of his spirit, as as you will, in into the Switch to help it succeed. Uh, that's it's it's messing a lot of people up in in those those fields right now. So, that's it's, it's powerful, very touching. And you you see how well Switch is doing. I can't help but imagine it may have had some very small part to do with it. I bet it makes the people or person whoever put it in there feel pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's pretty remarkable. I, I would say. 
Now, Toys R Us. I have different uh, feelings about Toys R Us, but yeah, they filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, uh, which doesn't mean that the company is, you know, going to be, they're not going to be shutting down any of their stores. Uh, they're just in a lot of debt, and they have this kind of bankruptcy to kind of clear that and take that off the books. Um, you know, I'm sure it's this is like restructuring. Would, basically, is, yeah. I'm actually getting kind of sick of seeing people saying like RIP Toys R Us and stuff. Oh, yeah, like, they're no. not gone yet. No, it's. No. It's not chapter seven, it's chapter 11. If anything, worry, like this would open them up maybe for an, another retailer to kind of buy them out. Because uh, mm -hmm. Toys R Us does serve a place, like there aren't too many other retailers that get the kind of stock of toys. And you know, the electronics department, which you know, for, for the record is, I used to work for about a year and a half, two years at a Toys R Us in the electronics department. So I, I have some experience with that company. Um, oh. But yeah, like as far as the other departments, when it comes to toys for boys and girls, and like there's there's really no other competition as far as getting the stock and all of that. Uh, so I'm sure they would be right for the picking for some other retailer to come in and take advantage of that. But uh, uh, my take would be overall is that it's a company that has struggled to transition into a more digital world. Um, it, you look at their website and it's it's still very you know, bare bones it's not up to the snuff of you know today's other you know electronics retailers um yeah and they they tried to get on you know certain aspects with you know iphones and ipads and trying to sell that in different tablets and i, I think they're kind of behind the steps you know just kind of behind the ball uh in different ways there the last time i was in a toys r us was to return uh an xbox one elite controller hmm is because they had a sale on their website for like $120. I was like, I could do that. Because yeah. long story short, one of my Xbox controllers broke and my mom gave me $60 to replace it. So basically I was like, I'll just use that 60 and buy an Elite. And then Toys R Us had a sale or whatever and it was going to take like a week to show up and then Amazon price matched it. Mm. So I just bought it on Amazon yeah. so I could get it sooner and then just returned the other one. That was the... Last time I was in a Toys R Us, um, I don't really have ties with it for, as a kid or anything, but I mean, it's, I picture it like the GameStop of the toy world. Yes. Like it's a very specific brick and mortar retailer um, that I don't frankly see a lot of. I, I think there's only two near me. I don't really know what kind of toys they actually get besides what I imagine Target and Walmart already get anyway, but I've been told they have like specific real toys and statues and action figures and mm -hmm. things that people like to collect. So maybe this restructuring will allow them to either be bought out or kind of refocus and help get themselves out of all this debt. Either way, I don't really have a tie to it. Mm -hmm. I just hope it all kind of works out because that is a lot of people who are impacted either way. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I'd like to see it still exist. And like when if it does ever come to an end, it would be a sad day. It would be the end of an era. Um, especially with you see the different incarnations of Jeffrey the giraffe throughout the years and people mm -hmm. putting out tweets where they had that one time where he, he lost his cartoonish charm and he looked a little more realistic but no I mean I don't have you know really negative things to say about Toys R Us and my, my time there but uh, you compare it to some of the other retailers and it, it makes sense why you know they haven't adapted as quickly to to some of these big industry changes so mm -hmm. wish them all the best and then to kind of end it on a a weird note <laughs> in Japan, <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog for the upcoming Sonic Forces game has partnered with Hooters in Japan. I, I don't Hooters. think there's there's much more to say about that, but 
that's a thing that is happening over there in Japan. <sighs> so sounds awesome. God bless Japan. Like, God, God bless Japan. Like I didn't even know Hooters was over there. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> And Hooter doesn't have, they don't have chili dogs. I mean, what, what's the with that? So, Exactly. Maybe that's how they're going to do it. They'll bring in a chili dog. Maybe. Maybe. Oh my gosh. Just just know that that's a thing that's that's happening. Well, let's get to our main topic, though. Uh, it's been the talk of the game industry. I mean, it's a big news story on you know, Friday, just yesterday when we're, we're recording here. Uh, so Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, that's, that's a game that's taken the industry by storm. It's an early access game. And, you know, more than 10 million copies sold, but it has the gameplay style of Battle Royale. And so Battle Royale, the, well, I think it's a 2000 Japanese film that kind of helped popularize it. Some people may know it, you know, more like Hunger Games, where the idea is that you have, you start with this big group and everyone has to kill each other until there's one person left standing. Also in the, the Japanese visual novel world, it's also known as Danganronpa. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Battle Royale games with, with PUBG, uh, the kind of shorthand version in particular, uh, it's really taken off where people kind of fall in, parachute into this, this big map world, and then overall the map shrinks in size with this kind of electric fence. And if you're kind of caught outside the fence for too long, you die. And then the one person left standing is the winner, winner, chicken dinner. Uh, you know, taking different things from was I, I know that phrase from gosh Sports Center, and I'm sure there's another place where that was taken, even before then. Uh, but but PUBG has really kind of taken off as this you know this last person standing. You know, kind of procure your own equipment on site, get vehicles, guns, you know, clothing, different things to kind of build up your person and try to be the last person standing. So what made this interesting is that Fortnite from Epic Games. Uh, it was kind of a, a game that involved more of, you know, fort building or some deconstructions, kind of, I guess, maybe some Minecraft elements into the third-person shooter element there. And so a couple weeks ago, Donald Mustard of Epic Games announces that, hey, we're going to be bringing a Battle Royale mode that'll be free. And this is before Fortnite as a whole, uh, you know, went free to play, which they, they recently made that kind of change. But getting a free update for a Battle Royale mode because we see things like PUBG, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, and then we're just going to, uh, you know, we think that we can put our own spin on it and provide it to our players. And you're even seeing things like Grand Theft Auto V with, you know, GTA Online uh, kind of involving kind of last man standing modes like this. Uh, but what really kind of brought this into a, a frenzy is where Blue Hole, who is the development team behind player unknowns battlegrounds i think they're a korean developer uh mm -hmm. really kind of got out in front and did uh, i would say it's a poor pr job by saying hey um we don't like that you know epic who for for the record you know they're kind of a, a middleware sort of a partner in all of this uh, you know epic provides the unreal engine that PUBG, you know runs and uses uh, so it's kind of an odd space i would say that you know maybe there's some displeasure in you know player unknowns battleground still is yet to come to console through their uh, publishing deal with microsoft but you know this kind of format is coming to a console uh in and with that kind of attention uh there so it's kind of a messy situation where they're where pubg blue hole is kind of calling out epic and and fortnite saying well, it's, it's a little too similar. You even mentioned our game. I don't know. Maybe we might have to take 
legal action in the future, but you know, we're, we're not too fond of, of that kind of thing. Max, I'm curious on your take on this whole messy situation. Blue hole is being a bunch of babies. Mm, yep. <laughs> PUBG is pretty ridiculous as far as just the success of this game over the course of the year. It is a phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's supposed to be a pretty fun game. My roommate plays it. A lot of people seem to be playing it. Game companies were going to copy that idea as soon as its success skyrocketed. Yep. Um, that would be like if way back in the day, a Tony Hawk and Skate mm. were just like, "Hey, you're copying us," or Guitar Hero and Rock Band. Oh yeah, and like whatever. Or um, Minecraft and Roblox. Like when there is something successful, other people copy it and try to put their spin on it. As it stands right now, PUBG doesn't have any announcement as far as when it's going to come to PlayStation at some point. Fortnite's going to be on PlayStation. It's got a date for it. So it's already hitting a market that doesn't have access to this at all. There's no official date for Xbox's version. It's just, it is a game mode, which you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think was just made off different mods for different games. And I remember earlier this week I saw a headline, I didn't read it, but like H1Z1's guy was like, PUBG wouldn't exist without H1Z1, which was where it was based from. It's just people taking ideas and making their own thing out of it. And I mean, isn't um? There's a quote or something that's like imitation is a, something. The sincerest form of, form of flattery. Yep. Yeah, like clearly PUBG will be the most successful version. Just like Minecraft is the most successful version of that kind of build your own world. Even uh, Dragon Quest Builders does a similar thing, and PUBG will probably be the king of this battle royale mode for as long as this type of gameplay is popular. Yeah, I, I'm not going to say that you know. Oh well. The, the Japanese film Battle Royale should have, you know, the best, right? Like, no, that's, it's a film. It's, it's totally different. But I, from what I understand, the kind of lineage goes that this player unknowns in a uh, fellow, he, uh, he did mods for Arma 2 and Arma 3 that kind of brought in the Battle Royale form there. Then he went to work at Daybreak, who made H1Z1. So his work continued there, made that format kind of popular and now he's kind of spun it off to bring it on his own so that that's where the h1z1 connection comes in you know okay he he worked for that team and helped make that popular um but yeah i mean welcome to the game industry when something yeah. becomes so popular get ready for the next you know not i'm not necessarily you know this call of duty but i'm sure whatever the next battlefield is going to you know, have a version there. You got to think Ubisoft is, is interested. Maybe the division gets a patch like that, or, or I would have thought, you know, Ghost Recon Wildlands would have been a shoe in. I can see. I think Wildlands would be a better fit for that. Yeah, too. I know they have their, their PVP mode that just, you know, came out. I would imagine they're, they're going to work on something like that, but get ready for it. And I think if anything, yeah. you know, making and calling attention to this, you know, might help Fortnite sell a bit more than otherwise if you just left it alone. I mean, they made the change to go free to play as it is anyway. <laughs> if you if you kept quiet about this, maybe it doesn't draw as much attention to the I game. Was, so you don't. I was gonna say it yeah. definitely helps Fortnite out oh, way yeah. more. Oh yeah, I mean, this is something you should have you know your legal teams communicate with and kind of deal with. But you're bringing it out in the the public space. It's not the best PR decision. My favorite reaction or response to this has been, I don't know if you saw Devolver Digital's tweet. Uh, yeah. 
where they said uh, Hotline Miami Battle Royale is canceled. Oh no! I was, just, <laughs> I was like, man, that's a really good joke. Yeah. But that game should exist because that sounds really, really good. Yeah, you just do a top down on a big, you know, big map. <laughs> big map that gets smaller and smaller, and you beat each other up and steal weapons and stuff. And yeah, it would have been good. I was I was reading some other article. It might have been Alana Pierce's. Uh, you know, peace on it at IGN. Or no, I, I think this one was this was Andrea Renee on Twitter. Basically saying like, you know, if you're the king of what you do, like be like Coke. You know, Coke doesn't necessarily concern themselves with the dealings of, of Pepsi or Dr. Pepper. You're Coke. You know, yeah. do you. You know, be you know, your brand and take charge of Make, what you do. Keep making PUBG the best battle royale game there is. Yeah. You know, uh, keep pushing it forward i mean you've got this big xbox launch exclusive window coming up which is supposedly when the game is going to leave early access he's also said in the past he's like i don't want microtransactions until the game's done and then lo and behold now there are cosmetic microtransactions before the game is technically done i guess i don't know i don't know why it's still in early access i feel like the game seems to be fine I mean, yeah, I mean, the game industry copies elements all the time. And I I think if you start threatening legal action, I think it's a dangerous precedent to say that, you know, that like a game idea can be intellectual property, like a game type. I think that's a a dangerous, you know, precedent to set there. I mean, you didn't see, you know, Grand Theft Auto complaining when Saints Row kind of took off on it. Uh, No, because they're Rockstar. Rockstar doesn't need to worry about anyone. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't think PUBG should really be worrying about Fortnite's Battle Royale mode or anyone else's because you know it's going to happen. Now, granted, this is from two people who I, I guess have not played Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. So that is fair, yeah. yeah so this so it. this is where, you know, a lot of different opinions floating out there in the game industry space. And of course, this is where you can call in as well. So when we come back, we'll get to the callers. You can talk about PUBG and Fortnite and all this drama. You can talk about any of the other gaming headlines, even games that you're playing, really anything's on the table. Here with Max Roberts of Model Citizens Media. That's when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. Joined here by Max Roberts of Model Citizens Media, the different shows they're in. Does some freelance work for IGN. Max, we've been uh, we've been talking a while, and it's, it goes without saying. You know, we we know how to talk on video game podcasts. It tends to happen, uh, but it's good to have you here. Good to have your opinions. Yeah, well, we can uh, we can run our mouths for quite a while. <laughs> we could we could do this for a long time. It tends to happen. We're familiar with you know multi-hour shows, so I think we're we're still showing some good restraint to move on here so let's get to the callers let's hear what you have to say about any sort of topic here joining us from new jersey matt welcome back to the power switch hey hey thanks for calling in what did you have in mind to talk about today so i actually have played uh player unknowns battlegrounds and i've been i've been looking into the story a little bit i'll say first off this game is not ready to leave early access Mm. oh yeah definitely not there are a ton of items in the game that have no functional purpose whatsoever some really key functions of movement like vaulting over uh over short chest high walls is not in the game yet uh and straight up the game is not optimized like not to say it's not optimized well it is not optimized period 
I've got a GTX 1060, and I have to run it at the lowest settings. Get out of here! Wow, frames. wow! It's so crazy to hear that about a game that has sold 10 million copies and broken Steam's <laughs> most current players. Yeah. Like how how does that happen? Because it's just it's a it's a fun game. That's what it comes down to. Uh, the battle royale market is really surprisingly untapped when it comes down to it. It's it's starting to get a bit more tapped now that people are seeing that there's a lot of money in it. When it comes oh. to the case of Fortnite specifically, Bluehole came out and clarified that it's not about the style of gameplay being copied. It is specifically Epic Games. Because they've been trying to work with Epic Games on getting the Unreal Engine, which PUBG runs off of, to mm-hmm. better support 100 players at once. Because it's kind of something that no one's ever done before. So mm-hmm. they are concerned that with Epic Games, who make the Unreal Engine, making their own Battle Royale games, they're going to be less cooperative with PUBG in order to help help their game succeed when it's a direct competitor to a game that Epic is making. It's not just about the idea of copycats, it's specifically this company. Hmm. Uh, that being said, Blue Hole has done a terrible job with the PR, uh, making it a big public thing and mm-hmm. kind of not really having like a company line for it to be able to sort of sum it up in a way that sounds reasonable because it's very it's very clear that they kind of expected people to be on their side with this and they are fumbling around with PR trying to put themselves in a better light now especially now that you've provided context that I didn't understand before I, this should have just been a behind closed doors discussion between lawyers or their teams or something like this did not need to be a public spat it 100% did and blue hole has been kind of shaky with their public image in general i really enjoy PUBG, uh and i hi- i can highly recommend the game as like the game like i bought it on tuesday and i've put 10 hours into it already so and how uh, much that, that's how much over the that course of work week for right now that is 30 dollars 30 dollars yeah, so Early over the course of a work week, I put 10 hours into it. Especially when you're now it's, looking at, you know, Fortnite being now a free-to-play game. It's like, I, I do wonder if it's, you know, picking the right battles. You also have the issue where, you know, Microsoft's going to help the the console side of publishing things. When you, It's like, you know, oh, see if these rare, they're going to help out with the water textures and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's a messy situation, but now absolutely it should have been done behind closed doors. Yes, absolutely. Um, like like I was saying, I, I can highly recommend the game because it's very, very fun. But Blue Hole is really not doing great with their public image because there's something of a controversy going on with uh, big streamers and what's called stream sniping, mm-hmm. where uh, someone that's watching the stream will purposefully get into a game with the person that's streaming and then like watch their stream to know where they are and kill them. So like the new age screen cheating. Yeah. Yes. Now, many other companies have weighed in on this problem. My my favorite uh, response to it has been from Blizzard regarding StarCraft. Uh, their response to it was, you're the one that decided to broadcast your position to the entire world. Yeah. Uh, Blue Hole has decided to take the streamer's side on it and issues temporary bans for it, even though it is completely 100% impossible to prove that someone is doing it. They're clearly a company that has never been in such a huge public spotlight before. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like sure they saying, didn't they, you know, expect to sell you know 10 million copies and be this huge phenomenon. Yeah, 
I think yeah. they've even said before in an article they like only expected two to three hundred thousand oh, copies geez. to sell. Well, it's it's a few more than that. <laughs> just a couple, just a little bit. Where do you? Player s- unknown himself is also uh, on a little shaky grounds regarding you know his previous game Daisy, which you know is still in early access. So it's a PR problem all around with the game. Uh, I'm comfortable recommending Player Unknown's Battlegrounds as it is right now for thirty dollars because I think that right now it is worth thirty dollars. But if you ask me, do I think this game is ever going to reach a finished state where it it, it will leave early access or like deserves to leave early access? I'm not going to be so confident in saying that. Where do you stand on the discussion of you know does PUBG deserve to be in the game of the year discussion? I think that's more a philosophical question about early access in general. Mm-hmm. That's a question that can't really be answered with regards to PUBG specifically. It needs to be answered in general with early access. Yeah, I just wonder uh, if, you know, it's going to be something, you know, at the end of the year, you know, do any of the like, the big sort of places kind of consider it? Um, you know, does the, the phenomenon and the community building of it, does that transcend its state as an early access game? Yeah, and it's, it's besides the original early access game, Minecraft, I have never played an early access mm-hmm. game before. Yeah. Like it's it's not something I've ever thought of in any regard, and it's kind of something that right now I I would take on a case by case basis um, because 2017 is the year that PUBG happened and became big, and for, no matter, for such a remarkable year too. Yeah, no matter when it no matter when it officially releases, this year was PUBG's debut. Mm-hmm. So I I think in some regard you you should consider it this year, but also it's a matter of the game still isn't finished right so even if we have already decided that it is good can we judge it right now is that fair that's a question that still has not been answered with early access in general that's a tough call i i I haven't really decided where i stand on it i think matt's right it is a philosophical question and if i were to like pick i don't think i would include it i i remember some people last year or I remember specifically my friend Logan talking about how like Pokemon Go was so great last year and it was like this phenomenon and I mean the game didn't really run very well and that argument is still kind of up for grabs especially after the Chicago event mm. but like it was undeniable the impact of that game but it, you know it's free and then microtransactions and different things like that and it's an app and that discussion was kind of interesting to think about and PUBG I think is in a similar situation where it's you can buy it, it's $30, but it's technically not done, and it's still being worked on. Um, I don't think I would throw it in there, but its impact can't go understated. It's 2017 is a tough year for games, too. There's so many arguably instant classics, and then also just so many good games coming out, and PUBG is dominating the conversation right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I had to say anything, I, I wouldn't throw it in there, partly because I haven't played it, and partly just because it's early access and I don't tend to try to support early access things or Kickstarters or anything like that. I try to wait for a finished product before I pass final judgment. But that's just me personally. I know there's millions of people playing this game. It's hard to say either way. We'll see kind of how outlets decide to tackle it. Yeah, I mean, you got to imagine a, a place like Waypoint where you know Austin Walker and Patrick Klepek are are playing that so often. You know, every morning. Uh, it's hard to imagine that they won't have that. You know, up if not you know for top spot consideration mm-hmm. definitely well matt uh thank you so much for calling in really appreciate your insight i know when you were here last you brought up the 
the Super Mario 64 online and we, you know, figured, you know, go check it out while it's there. Well, it's Nintendo uh, took that down and <laughs> that is <laughs> that is cease and desisted. Uh, but anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, so this uh, just a couple hours ago, uh, the latest video from Liam Robertson mm. dropped on YouTube uh, under the Did You Know Gaming channel about uh, a canceled Pilot Wings game that was going to be open world. Uh, I have not watched the video yet. I have it open in a tab, waiting to be waiting to be watched. But based on what I'm seeing, that game might have been supposed to be open world, like Earth, the entire planet Oof, in Pilot wow. Wings. I was actually watching that a little bit before the show like started while I was waiting for everyone to log on and stuff. It was pretty interesting the first half of what I watched. They like were gonna have the rogue squadron guys work on it, Factor oh, Five. Oh, that stuff. makes sense. It was, yeah. This game had a tumultuous history. It was a pretty cool video. Yeah, I'm a big fan of uh, Liam Robertson's videos, so I, you know, I, I'm confident in recommending this video without having watched it yet. Just the concept alone is incredibly intriguing as well. So I think that that yeah, this is the this is a pretty good plug to give right now. Oh, I absolutely agree. Yeah, Liam Robertson does great work, so go check out his videos out. All right, Matt. Mm-hmm. Thank you for calling in. You have a great night. All right. Thank you. You too. Joining us from Texas, Jesse, welcome back to the Power Switch. It's good to be back. Yeah, definitely. Um, before I start, I was just wondering, do you think there's going to be any sort of like spoiler cast for uh, Return, Sam's Returns? I would like there to be one. Uh, I'm, I'm starting to play it, so we still have to schedule a, a Sonic Mania one, so I think we got to get that one out of the way first. But <laughs> I would like there to be a spoiler cast for Metroid, Samus Returns. Okay. I guess I'll just touch on a few things about Metroid and then get on to like uh, the greater topic I wanted to talk sure. about which was uh, fighting games, really, because I got a fight stick and I want to talk about it. Oh, neat. Okay. Okay. So Sam's Returns, I had forgotten what this feels like to be playing a 2D Metroid game for the first time. I mean, I know I could have probably played AM2R, but I just never got around to it. The feeling of playing one of these things for the first time again and actually getting stuck on some things and like not knowing what I'm supposed to do, thats it's surreal because I feel like a kid again almost because hmm. I'm pretty sure I played all these back at least before 2010 definitely before 2010. The game is solid. It's pretty much everything good about Metroid games. The only problem, if there is one at all, is the fact that, uh, ow, my hand hurts. <laughs> I really don't like the circle pad anymore after playing this game. Really? I've, I actually was enjoying the circle pad. Are you playing on a, a smaller 3DS or the XLs? That might be the issue for me. I am playing on like the uh, new 3DS XL, so okay. it could be an issue just the weight of the thing. Okay. I actually consider just opening up my uh, Kid Icarus Uprising box and pulling out that stand. Oh, I don't know gosh, if it, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's, that's it's, really interesting because I'm I'm gonna I'm about to play on an XL, and so that that's interesting. I had not heard things like that. Uh, might... Well, consider trying to find like a support if you can. That might help a little bit. And like try to like hold it in a sort of orthodox way where you're not straining too much. Like sit what? upright, don't lay down in bed and play it. Like, yeah, that's actually interesting. I've been playing at my desk. Like I've been resting my arms on my desk. I guess that'll help. I think. Yeah, I, I guess I'm not actually feeling the weight of the system like above me or anything like that. But I didn't even, I hadn't really had any issues as far as discomfort goes. Okay, tray tables down on the airplane. Got it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, though, it's just really solid, really good. It feels so good to have this franchise back. And without giving too much away, there is some new story elements that I would love to talk about on a spoiler cast and like. It's been like seven years since we've gotten some Metroid lore. 
It's been, been longer than that since we've gotten some good Metroid lore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm one of the schmucks who 100%ed other M. Yeah, you know, story I, elements aside, I, but the I, gameplay I, was fun. I've Peter, yeah, I agree. I enjoy yeah. other M. I don't. Other M is other M is fine. It's bad story, but the gameplay's fun. I can agree with that. I like the gameplay. It's a bit. It's the most heavily railroaded game of any of the Metroid games. And I would love to have seen like a more free roaming version of it in the future, but I mean, Fusion was pretty railroaded too, and that was still a good game. Yeah, I actually was just playing Fusion for the first time months ago. Um, How do you feel about it? It's definitely handholdy, like hardcore. Um, I actually thought it would be a really cool way to introduce Abby to Metroid, maybe. But I was playing on a, a Game Boy Micro that I had just oh, bought. Wow. I think the game is really beautiful it looks good um and sound is great on it if you put headphones in but it does just straight up later bosses that blow your speakers out (laughs) (laughs) it's just straight up just is handled is like go here and do this like there's i don't feel really a sense of discovery in the game which is one of the best parts about metroid games so it's good but it's not great it's weird you know there's clear problems but there's also clear benefits and cool things about it have you played zero mission I have. That was my first Metroid I game. I gotta play Zero Mission. Yeah, I was gonna say, if you wanted to introduce someone to the game, I would say I actually start with Zero Mission, because that one still gives you hints on where you're supposed to go, but it still has like all the exploration of yeah. the older Metroid game. I love... Zero so Mission is fantastic. That's always my suggestion for an entry point into the franchise. I, I really hope the Samus Returns sells well, though. I know I see a lot of people, you know, going out there and buying the game and supporting it, uh, I just hope it translates into something that Nintendo's happy with so they can continue with you know the 2D Metroids. I think it's doing decently. Mm-hmm. And even if it doesn't, we still got Metroid Prime 4 on the horizon. Right. So it's not like this franchise is like on life support right, right. now or anything. Right. And, and hopefully, you know, you know they, they remake the original into Zero Mission. They remake this one into Samus Returns. I, I don't think it would be a good idea to touch Super Metroid and try any sort of remake with that. The Super Metroid remake should just be Super Metroid with widescreen. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> just put on, just put that on the Switch. There no you go. kidding. Get get that game on Switch. I was gonna say, isn't there a new version of Super Metroid coming out here next week that everyone will be able to buy super easily? Sort of. Uh, I'm actually thinking about camping out in front of a Toys R Us at this point. That. I'm I'm thinking um, about doing the same they, at Target. <laughs> they have been saying though that they are increasing supply. I'll believe like, it Reggie when I see it. I, I I understand. Reggie himself has said, uh, "Don't pay more than eighty dollars for one, right? Or 90 or whatever." Oh, I I, I will want to never pay. I I won't I do want, that. I want to believe him. They're even uh, extending production into next year, and they're bringing back the NES classic. So I want to believe that they want to get the system into people's houses. I hope so. So let's, we'll see. Anyway, the other topic I wanted to talk about was uh, getting more into fighting games. Yeah, fight sticks. When I was younger, I always wanted to get like an arcade fight stick, but I couldn't afford it. So one of those things changed. I got older. I couldn't afford it, but that didn't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I got the uh, the nice one, the uh, Nintendo Switch Ori Real Arcade Pro Hayabusa. Okay, yeah. And you're, you're doing that for and Pokemon then? Uh, I'll get to that in just a second. Okay. I actually got it for, uh, because I'm a loser, I got it for Ultra Street Fighter 2. Okay, yeah, that and makes sense. And I got sense. something else, though, 
because there's a switch on the side of this controller that switches it to uh, DirectX or basically PC inputs. So I can plug this in to my PC and use it just like a 360 controller or anything like that. That's handy. So I actually would say that I mostly got it for PC because PC has become a really good place for fighting games now. Like the only game from the last Evo that aren't on PC right now are Injustice 2, which is rumored to be coming out for PC in the future, and the two Smash Bros. games. Yeah. Wow. I'm really enjoying it so far. I like the feel of being able to spread my hand out like on a piano. The buttons react really delicately, like put like a feather touch on them and it gets a connection. What I wasn't prepared for was the actual joystick gate, because I'm used to uh, American arcade cabinets where they have like an eight direction gate. Apparently in Japan, joystick gates are square shaped and they play within the gate. And that was weird because there's like there's nothing on the bottom to really thrust the joystick into. Hmm. But then suddenly all those little symbols for the Street Fighter movement started making more sense, like why uh sure you can look like a Z. Oh, yeah. I never understood that. Oh. But now I get it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, it's because it looks like a Z if you actually do it on a Japanese <laughs> stick. So it works great for most of those things. I'm trying it on Pokken, and I'm not sure how I feel about it because the mapping... If you've ever seen like the arcade version of Pokken, which I have never seen the arcade version of Pokken, but I've seen what it looks like. And they actually have the uh, little Hori gamepad, like the actual controller. Oh, yeah. Oh. That kind of boomerang one, yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking about getting one of those. I think this game might actually be better off played on a controller, specifically that one. Because it's kind of weird just having like the jump button be on the bottom left corner of my buttons and have like it be surrounded by three different fight buttons. Is it something that can be And they have to be there because like it's kinda of like Street Fighter Two where like if you press two buttons at the same time it does like throw or focus attack or super. Okay. And it's not something that can be customized in any way? It can actually, but like I have already remapped it a little bit to be better for this controller. But if you were to like separate the jump button, you would still have to press the jump button and uh, weak attack to do a grab. Okay. And that would be a bit more awkward if it wasn't placed right beneath it like it is on the gamepad. Hmm. I want to try getting more into the fighting game community, but at the same time, I'm a little scared because, you know, competitive gaming communities they tend to be a little uh, edgy, for lack of Hardcore. <laughs> Uh, that's not the word I'm looking for. <laughs> like, I can deal with hardcore. I can deal with getting my ass kicked because that's how you get better at a game. It's more like, I don't know, sometimes I don't like the people I meet at these events. Mm, mm, I, mm. I hear you. And I would love to find like more friendlier environments for these things, but maybe I should just start with online communities with people I trust. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, that's that's a tough one because uh, I can't say I've ventured outside of too many you know competitive communities outside of, uh, outside of Smash Brothers. Yeah, and Smash Brothers definitely counts as a fighting game. Right, no, I, no, for sure, for sure. Oh. But it, that's that's a hard one, because you know, I've tried using a fight stick. I've got a couple uh, Mad Cats NBC 2 ones kind of buried in for Xbox 360. They're kind of just sitting in storage at the moment. But I also remember trying to play those with the NFL Blitz, the you know kind of remakes that came out for, for 360 and PS3. That was kind of fun, but... It, it's not a style I'm used to, so uh, yeah, I was not oh, yeah, very good that, at that at all. <laughs> but no, yeah, that reminds me. I also have been using it to play like Namco Museum. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, and uh, I'm probably gonna use it when Nintendo's Park's putting out the uh, arcade classic collections. Yes, yes. On 
the uh, Switch store. Mm-hmm. So that's another good thing, just being able to play arcade games on an actual arcade stick. Yeah, that that sounds perfect. That that sounds really great. Um, yeah, the the other part of it too is that it just really takes dedication. And uh, yeah, for someone like it me, does. like I want to play all sorts of different games, but man, to really get good, like that's got to be your one game that you play. It seems like what other people do is that they find like the one game they're most interested in, get good at that, and then a lot of those skills carry over to playing other games. Mm, fair enough, yeah. I plan on getting Street Fighter Five eventually, but right now I'm just uh, I'm saving my money. I'm not going to buy anything that's not on sale. Right. Yeah. No, I get that's that. I rule of Steam. I'm really waiting for Dragon Ball Fighters. Ooh, yeah. That game continues to impress me, and I, I think that might be one of my first like traditional 2d fighting style games i am so looking forward to uh, dragon ball fighters i oh really my gosh. hope personally uh does anyone else have any hopefuls this game besides what's already been announced uh they've announced the characters i care about so hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that they you know toriyama went and designed a whole new android that's kind of crazy to see android 21 i would not have expected a brand new character there but no yeah and I don't think there are really any that are left that is saying, you know, oh, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Is there anything, anyone that you're looking forward to? Well, I already got one of them in the sense that we got Android 16. That's a character mm-hmm. who I really enjoy. Yeah. I'm really hoping that we get Lord Beerus in the future for anyone who saw the uh, Dragon Ball Z movies. Hmm. Yes. That would and be really cool. I have a long shot, but uh, I know I'm not the only one hoping for this. I really want to see how Pi Pi from Dragon Ball a character <laughs> what about hercule oh i mean we should definitely have mr satan because yeah. he's kind of like a he's kind of like a tradition in dragon ball z fighting games just to have mr satan yeah, he's, he's the dan hibiki he is the dan yeah otherwise the roster is looking really good yes for sure for sure then the game looks incredible oh god yeah just visually like it is some of the the videos that people have already put out where it's like you know all the characters going at it and it's like firing kamehamehas and and all sorts of things like the the back and forth just looks amazing. Oh, I can't wait yeah, for that. I want. And, I hope uh, that game comes to Switch one day. Oh gosh, yeah. I really hope that a third another famous fighting game company takes note of how cool two dimensional style graphics look, because some games are starting to look a little too uh, uncartoonish. <laughs> but uh, that's not that's not here or there. Anyway, the point is. I just want to play Dragon Ball Fighters. I'm really looking forward to it. It's an early contender for 2018 game of the year if all the hype continues up, for sure. Yeah, it could be. Well, Jesse, thank you so much for calling in. Get on that Metroid hype. We'll be sure to plan a spoiler cast before the end of the year, at least. Uh, Hell yeah. And we'll, we'll do that and you know, keep us updated on how the, the fighting game progress goes. Anything you'd like to plug? I will. I mean, I guess the... Uh Ori Hayabusa Real Arcade Pro Stick right now, which is what I'm using. It's really well made. You know that feeling of just getting something that just feels like quality? Yeah, that's that's always a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah that's how I felt really, when I got my Elite controller. Like, ooh, it's just yeah. a nice quality yeah. product. Yeah, it's just really nice. It's weighted. All the buttons are super responsive. Everything just feels nice. And I don't know how much longer the deal is going on, but I think Hori is doing a a fight stick deal. I'm trying to remember through which website. Um, But if you're trying to get one for PS4, there's a deal where it's like a a Hori fight stick for $150, and it includes uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite for PS4. So 
Like that, that's a pretty interesting deal. I remember there. seeing that deal mm. and I don't remember what website it was. Yeah, I think Maximilian dude was plugging it. Um, probably Wario 64 or, on as well. Wario 64 yeah. did. Mm-hmm. So check, yeah. check that out. Um, if you're in the I mean, market for a fight stick. Yeah. PS4 fight sticks. That's a good one to get because that's what most of these events use PS4. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get a converter for mine. Oh yeah. I'm sure those exist too. Well, Jesse, thanks so much for calling in. You have a great night. You too. Thank you. All right, thanks so much for calling in, guys. When we come back, we will get to Max Roberts and his top five favorite games of all time. I'm looking forward to this list. Let's hear it when we come back here on the Power Switch. Welcome back to the Power Switch. This week's tempo control music is brought to you by Danganronpa 2, Goodbye Despair. You can find a new video game music top 10 list from a specific game soundtrack every Tuesday over at youtube.com slash rhymes with Asia. Let's get to our top five to wrap up the show. There usually when we have a guest on the show, I'd like to get into talking about their top five favorite games of all time. So I'm joined here by Max Roberts from modelcitizensmedia.com. Uh, Max, I'd like to hear your top five favorite games of all time. Now, if people listen to Millennial Gaming Speak, they may have heard this list before, may have gone through you know some changes with some 2017 games here, but I'd like to kind of get to know more about you. And we, we talk about these games because it kind of gets to know more about a person's gaming history and where uh, their, their preferences lie and where their history with games lie a bit. So your top five favorite games of all time. Top five games... Uh, really, only one game has kind of entered the fray since 2017. Um, but number five would have to be a Shovel Knight. I guess Treasure Trove, mm, the official yeah, title, yeah. includes all of them. I can't shut up about this game. <laughs> <laughs> I love, and when they announced the new Amiibo, oh gosh, I'm yeah, like, swooning over here. It's Shovel Knight does so much right and just captures the spirit of that era and types of games that platformer spirit that I love. And the music is killer. They just announced a new vinyl as well. Like they've, they're robbing me of so much money <laughs> that I'm so glad to throw it away. But I love Shovel Knight Treasure Trove and can't wait for King of Cards sometime next year. So Shovel Knight Treasure Trove would have to be my number five. And I guess I'm going to end up buying it all on Switch again yeah, anyway. Yeah, might as well. I'm, I've got it on Wii U, but at, at 20, I $20, have it, 25 I have it everywhere. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah, you had to you I'm, had to play you know Kratos and you had to play Rash. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had uh, the Battle Toads mm-hmm. and that, and then I so I bought it first on 3DS for a road trip. Okay, loved it so much I had to play it in HD. So I bought it on Wii U. PS4 came out, so I had to get it for the Platinum Trophy in Kratos. Yeah, and played it on Vita, and then Battle Toads. It was on sale for ten dollars. Oh well, yeah, <laughs> I bought it for that, and then. Switch came around and Spectre of Torment launched there first, so I bought Spectre of Torment on Switch. Mm. Yeah, and now and now I just really like playing it on Switch, and so I'm probably just gonna buy it all again. I'm probably Yacht Club's ideal customer. Oh yeah, I've I buy it for people as gifts because I love that game so much. Shovel Knight, A plus. All hail um, the Triple King. All hail, all hail. I want that stuffed animal too. I think Fan Gamer has oh my the stuffed God. animal. <laughs> Oh my god, so good. Uh, number four would be Breath of the Wild. Mm. Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. 
a little sneaky game snuck up on us this year. I've spent like I think 110 hours in that game. Wow. Yeah. And I don't have the DLC yet. I'm waiting until more details for December. I think it's supposed to be December. It's supposed I don't think to be. Actually I, a date. I, I was shocked when this Nintendo Direct rolled around, and they're like, "Yeah, here are the amiibo. Here's what they do." Um, and they're out November 10th, but nothing about the no story. <laughs> like, yeah, what the heck? Uh, bring us the it's Champions really Ballad. Yeah, it's that's when I'll dive in and do the whole. What was that room? The challenge room called the Sword, the Challenge. Oh, the Master Trial Sword, something like, sword and something like that. Trial, something like yeah. that. Uh, I'll do all that and have the new story DLC and like all sorts of stuff. Yeah. But that game is straight magic. Mm. It's a sense of discovery and experimentation and always feeling rewarded for what you do. I've never played a game quite like that, and I'm I'm getting really anxious about Super Mario Odyssey in oh, kind God. of the same yeah. way. Mm-hmm. Um, that game comes out actually while I'm on my honeymoon. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, comes out during like it comes out a week after my wedding. Um, so I'm gonna be on a boat when it technically comes out. But when I get home that Saturday, it's gonna be waiting for me right at the door. I, I know it's it's not you know it's a bit of a divergent to talk you know Mario and you're you're bringing up Zelda as your number four, but you, you got to tell the story of your your wedding amiibo attempt. Oh yes, I originally Abby and I planned to have a Mario and Peach amiibo as our toppers for we're doing pie instead of cake but you know the toppers on top of our dessert and then they go and announce at E3 these wedding themed Mario and Peach amiibo <laughs> and I'm like crap these are perfect why they gotta come out a week later literally seven days yeah later. so you're getting married the 20th yes okay. on the 20th and then they come out on the 27th um so I wrote a letter to Nintendo hey I know it's a week early, but is there any way you can send us Mario and Peach early to be put on top of the pie? So I, I wrote to them a little bit more eloquently than that and included a picture of us so they knew it was like real people, I guess. And they actually just wrote us back about a week ago um, said, you know, we get a lot of requests like this and sorry we can't do that, which I expected, you know. Um, they gave us some bookmarks. And literally the third paragraph is a pitch. Like, it's just an ad. It's like, but if you have a Nintendo Switch, you could have everyone play, like, Mario Kart together or Jack, Par- Jack Party Box or <laughs> however you call that game. It's like, you should check those games out. And I was like, not even one to switch You didn't even try to sell me on that one. All right. <laughs> but uh, it was really cool to get, like, a tangible letter back. And, you know, that's cool and sweet. Um, I will ask uh, my vocal friend here at GameStop here, you know, if it'd be possible if it comes in early. Yeah. You know, I granted that's all just trucks and shipping. I doubt it'll come in that early, but who knows? Uh you never um, know. Like the the times I worked at Toys R Us, I was surprised how often we'd get certain things in early and they just has to yeah. sit there. Now granted like it remember, may not be able to be checked out on the computer system, but yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's like a very long shot, but you know, it's worth it instead of just regular old Mario and Peach. But, you know, in the end, it's still going to be cute either way. Yeah, but yeah. come on, oh, wedding-themed <laughs> Amiibo. <laughs> like, you know it's going to be people's kick toppers forever. And I try to be first by a week. Come on. But oh well. But back and to Breath so of the Wild. I, like, back <laughs> to Breath of the Wild, this really great game that I love so very much. What really kind of captures the whole feeling for me is... um when I was playing the game and I saw a dragon for the first time, oh, yeah. and I was just like, 
that's awesome. <laughs> that is like, it just kind of took my breath away. I just stood there and watched it. And then later I found out that you actually could hit them for items. And then I had a far guide for IGN. So it, it took a little bit of the magic out of the dragons there because I had to see them so many times. Oh, that's right. That was one well, of the I, games you did uh, the guide for, or at least part yeah, of it. Yeah. Help. Yeah, I was a part of the team for that. Was, but that game is just, there's something special about it. And it was, I think it was definitely the weight. And uh, it's definitely earned a spot in my top. Um, unfortunately, it couldn't inch its way in any further uh, into the top three. Which, number three, Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door. Good call. Good call. God, that game is so good. And it just needs to come to Switch. And everything <laughs> will be okay. Get on that GameCube virtual console. Come on. Please. Please. That game is just so much charm. And the soundtrack is so good. And the story and the worlds and like the different chapters. You know, one chapter you're in like a haunted town and you turn into a pig and another one you're a detective on a train <laughs> and another one you're a wrestling champion like there's just the charm is i think the best word for it and just has so much of it in the i think it's the best paper mario game uh, definitely ever the wii era yeah uh, so not too hard to compete with all of that <laughs> but man there's you know the pit of a hundred trials all the badges just there's so much to do in that game and i've poured so many hours over the years with it i feel like i know it like the back of my hand and it's just it's got a near and dear spot in my heart and please please come to switch please it's, it's got i remember it. there was a interview i believe it was one of those nintendo uh darn it what were those you interviews ask, called so i want to ask yeah. i think it may have been that or just a different view somewhere else but miyamoto Originally, Sticker Star was going to be just a 3DS port of Thousand Year Door. Mm. And then Miyamoto came in and was like, no, no, no. No story here. Make it all different. And I was like, no. <laughs> Make battles irrelevant. <laughs> we were so close. But I, that game is so near and dear to me. Uh, I still play it every couple of years. It's It's a special, special game. And I... I actually, one of my hopes is to have Abby play it one day. It's a hard thing since we don't live together. It's like I have all these games I want to share with her, but I'm not going to just like have her come over and play them all the time. So I'm hoping when she's trapped and can't escape, <laughs> that's when I sit her down. Um, but when you, when you get that door, mortgage signed. <laughs> yeah, when she really can't get out of no. it. Um, but Thousand Year Door is my top three. Um, the other two we briefly mentioned earlier in the show, they're both Naughty Dog games. And so number two is The Last of Us. I don't know what else I can say about The Last of Us besides it's pretty much perfect. It it's captures, I think, the feeling of being in those situations very well. And the story is obviously so impactful. And I've played it, I think, five times now. And oh, it's just, wow. it's a top-to-bottom fantastic game. And I love playing it. That Abby actually is been with me as I played through that one time and that's something we share together but top to bottom I love that game God, I, I love uh, Naughty I Dog so so much and you know we've, we've had Matt Collin on the show before and uh, he yeah. does give the critique and I think it's, it's a fair point but you know, it, it's really a matter of taste for everyone and you know games are art and all that and so art necessarily isn't for everyone but um, you know Naughty Dog definitely tells a, a very cinematic sort of kind of story but sometimes mm. people's taste in games like that's not the kind of game narrative that they want. It's you know it's yeah. trying to bring films into games, and maybe that's not necessarily the the best way that games can stand out 
and deliver narratives that can only be told with games. But I agree. I think Naughty Dog is, you know, one of the premier developers in the industry. I think it's, you know, them, Rockstar and Nintendo that kind of fight for uh, the top, you know, highest quality. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's, it's the un- amazing. Yeah. Unprecedented attention to detail mm-hmm. and just, I feel like a mastery of the hardware that they're on. Yeah. I oh, mean, yeah. I don't see anyone making games like that on the PS4. Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially just visually rivaled with Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. I prefer Naughty Dog's art- artistic stylings a little bit more, but I mean, Last of Us is fantastic, and I cannot wait for part two. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm under no impression that it's not coming out until 2019, so at least <laughs> right, I'm not crazy. Right, right. But we just had the last Uncharted game, and um, you know, I kind of feel like it could be the last Last of Us game. Um, there were parts, at least Neil has said in interviews, that this game almost didn't happen until they found the right story they wanted to tell, yep. which is actually kind of similar to John Lasseter, Pixar, where he's like, we weren't going to do Toy Story 4 until I had this story idea that we just could not tell. So we'll see how that uh, yeah, shakes yeah, out we'll, for Toy we'll, Story We'll see oh. if that really didn't, you know, it really had to be told. I don't oh, know. God. I love Pixar. Pixar to me is like the Naughty Dog of animated film. Um, but three though, was, Toy Story three yeah, though. Come three, on, it ended so oh my perfect. <laughs> so, and I've I've loved the way they have let it live on in these TV specials. Oh right, uh, yeah. the horror one, and they did uh, one other one. I think a Christmas one, probably. Yeah, or like it was like the caveman one or whatever. But you know, I, Last of Us number two. Uh, only recently dethroned by Uncharted 4 Thieves. Nice. I just think the way Uncharted 4 wraps up and just tells its story is just, to me, better than The Last of Us. I know under, It's like, it's hard to say one game's just better than the other. Really, it just comes down to personal preference for me. It incorporates some stuff from The Last of Us, like the environmental storytelling and collectibles that tell a through-line narrative. It incorporates stuff I love from The Last of Us, the stealth and those collectible elements into an Uncharted game, which just has the set pieces and the action and makes you feel like a boss while you're playing it. I mean, and then I think the more serious tone of this one over two and three and one and gold this really meant something to me in a way. Yeah. I know the argument for people preferring two, but I was always in the camp that three was better than two. So it's really not a stretch for me to think that four is better than all of them. Like three more than two as well. Yeah. Yeah, man, three so much. Fun. I know it. I know I it jumps around all too. over the place, but like I like the way it plays more, and I like its yeah. set pieces more. Oh, its set pieces are the bomb. Mm-hmm. What's not to love about a cruise ship that oh capsizes? God. It's it's so good. And you're escaping it. God, it I remember. Floods. I remember the uh, the stories they were telling back in the day, where it's just like. <laughs> It's like, no, we actually rendered an entire ocean and then just stuck that boat like, right in the middle. And that was mind-blowing at the time. It's real-time ocean. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's crazy. But, I mean, four. I, I, it was just last year, but, like, now I like I remember I'm going through the different beats. And, that like, I remember playing that like it was so recently. And all the cool moments. I mean, uh, the name reveal was the coolest thing for a fan of the series. Oh, yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, the epilogue love- was great. The epilogue is perfect. Yeah, it's absolutely. I, I get, I, I get the critiques that, that it's it's a little long in the tooth. Uh, it can get that part that I can, I can see that it, back third. But I feel like some of that quiet, I thought was necessary. Like yeah. it feels good. 
It's like the desert in Uncharted 3, just longer, oh, and you're actually doing a little the, bit the more. The desert was awesome. <laughs> the desert's great. I love the desert. I, I remember the first time doing the desert. Yeah, it's, yeah. I, the, the, that game is amazing. The caves where you had the exploding skeletons, though, not a fan of that in 4. Yeah, I can see it. I like. I get the critiques of the game, don't get me wrong. It can be long. I, I get the argument about Sam being introduced, because he's never been mentioned before, and... Have you but read the, uh, oh gosh, there was a recent article of how, uh, it was like Amy Hennig sharing what her version of Uncharted 4 no. was like. It's fascinating. Uh, I'll try to look it up and send it to oh you. Oh my gosh. Um, because, how did I miss because, like, it's Because that, yeah, that, that's the big thing, right? It's, you know. That would be the most interesting story to hear is just how that falling out happened. Because that initial tease, mm-hmm. if you go back and listen to it, Whoever is talking to Nate is very bitter. And I mean, it could have been a brother still, but just very mean, not the lighthearted person that Sam is. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to read that. Yeah. I would love to read that. Well, I mean, I mean, it's it's not, you know, spoiling anything or whatever, but like that no. that character in that original trailer was going to be Sam. Um Okay. And uh Alan Tudyk was going to play Ray Fadler. Who so, who is that uh, actor? Uh, he's like, oh, he's from Firefly. He's Wash and Firefly. He's um, God. He, he's been in so many things. Um, I'm trying to. Gosh, yeah, Alan Alan Tudyk. He was uh, the voice of K2SO in Rogue One. Um, Ooh, okay. There so, we go. Now, yeah. So uh, he's he's done he's done things. Um, he's, he's he does this new Con Man series with uh, Nathan Fillion and Nolan North. It's like a web series. So I'm I'm sure you've seen his face and like he. He looks a lot like Rafe, actually. So, like, it that kind of makes sense. Um, but no, I'll, I'll try to find that article for you because it's it's very similar in a lot of ways, but there are a couple pretty neat tweaks on it. So, yeah, I would love to read that. Well, that's a really great list. I, I'm I'm a big fan of the Naughty Dog game, so I definitely approve of those those top two. And yeah, really strong, really strong entries all around. Thanks, I've. I get a lot of crap for the whole Uncharted or dethroning uh, Last of Us again, but uh, it's my list. Nah. My five can be whatever they want. No, nah, and as, as someone who, I mean, I, I love The Last of Us, but it's not on my top five because I, I think I put a lot more st- stake in, you know, what the game means to me. And, you know, I, mm-hmm. yeah, if it's Last of Us is probably up there. If I'm talking like, you know, strictly critical success, like the best games I've ever played, I, I think that would be very high up there, but. Yeah, you know, I, I put I guess a little more personal stake into it, um, but yeah, magical games all around. Mm-hmm. Like it's it really yeah. really says even a uh, lot. even Lost Legacy, which just came out. I, I loved Lost Legacy. I, I loved it. Like yeah. it's, I think I think it was the right pacing for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think you know I, many people say the highs don't get as high, um, but man, the the uh, ending they're... sequence was a fantastic callback, and it's uh-huh. so good to see how how far it's come uh put it that way uh you know i i had a great time with it and like that was you know i first game i played on my ps4 pro first game i played in hdr it's like man this looks so good (laughs) i'm i'm telling i've i said this when last was part two was announced i said you know if if i don't buy a ps4 pro by the time that game comes yeah. out i know i'll be getting oh, yeah. whatever special edition ps4 pro for that thing i'm a sucker for this kind of stuff i'm gonna i bought everything for uncharted 4 i even 
this is like how crazy I was with Uncharted for like sp- physical collector stuff. I went to Best Buy on launch day, bought a copy of the game just so I could get Best Buy's version of the coin oh, that came yeah. with the strategy guide, <laughs> and then came back ten minutes later and just returned the game, not the coin. Yep, yep. Oh man, I I got the special edition. Did you get that uh that blue controller? I did not, no. which I should should have because my controller has finally died. It's it's dead now. I'm borrowing my roommates, and now I'm in the pickle where I need a controller. I think I might buy one of the crystal ones, the see-through yeah, ones. Yeah, those are coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I almost I thought about the Pulse headset as well, but they didn't have the platinum one at the time. Oh, and yeah, and those, those so are those are surprisingly good headsets. I, I have the the gold one, and I, I enjoy using it. Yeah, uh, I can't wait to spend so much money on the Last of Us Part Two. <laughs> please, please, Abby, let me buy it all. But before then, Kingdom Hearts Three. <laughs> Will it though? Is it coming out before then? I don't, know. I don't, I don't know. We'll, know. We'll see. We'll see. I hope so. They, they gave it the 2018 date. We'll see if that's you know the very if last day possible of 2018. Yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. I'm granted. I will spend so much money on that. It's not even funny. Yeah. Well, that will do it for this episode of The Power Switch. We are hosted by RhymesWithAsia.com, and we're on YouTube and Twitch at RhymesWithAsia. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Power Switch, and you can email us any questions, concerns, comments, or opportunities at PowerSwitchPod at gmail.com. You can subscribe to The Power Switch on podcast services such as iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And if you'd be so kind as leave a review, that would really help as well. But most importantly, to participate in future episodes, you should join us on Discord by visiting rhymesthasia.com slash call. Now, it's a small but growing community as we continue to grow in these earlier months of the show. It'll be easier than ever to have your voice heard on this podcast. Max, it's been a delight to have you on the show. I know it's it's been a long time coming. We're trying to reorganize and kind of arrange everything with your your busy schedule of getting married in, in less than a month that's that's crazy i wish you the best of luck as someone who went through it a couple years ago you'll be just fine you'll enjoy married life um Thank really you. anything that you'd like to plug model citizens media for sure mm-hmm. that would be the first thing i want to plug um specifically out of uh just how i feel behind the pixels that's the thing i'm probably most proud of um, we've got six episodes right now, um, ranging from people like you mentioned earlier, Danny O'Dwyer, Per Schneider, most recently Graham Pooh Bear. I mean, I love doing that show. It's one of the things I have the most fun doing. So please go check that out. It's on modelcitizensmedia.com. You can find it there. Or you can find it on podcast services like iTunes or Google Play. Um, so it's all over the place there. So if you would listen to that, that would be great. Um, that would be the thing I would want to plug. Absolutely. Let's give people a YouTube video to watch. Uh, you know, just really anything across the internet it doesn't have to be gaming related. So I've been on a big kick recently with you know the Emmys were last weekend, and so it made me think about you know musical numbers in different award shows. So I've just been looking and looking and watching, and uh, the the Tonys musical number from 2013 with Neil Patrick Harris came up, and the song mm-hmm. was called Bigger, and it happened to be uh, written by Lin Manuel Miranda. Oh, so and he won. I want to say it was an Emmy for for that. Like he won, like an award for 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 that number. Um, it's it gets a one minute standing ovation at the end because Neil Patrick Harris is incredible. Um, go check that out. You don't have to be a fan of musicals necessarily to appreciate the artistry that's that's on stage there. So yeah, Neil Patrick Harris's 2013 Tonys opening number. Mine. Uh 
it's probably not actually the best place to start, but there's a YouTube series called Movies with Mikey. Uh, it's Mikey Newman, who used to work at Gearbox and actually be a writer for Borderlands. Mm. Uh, he does film criticisms on YouTube, and actually now that's his full-time job. Um, and the one I wanted to recommend was John Wick Chapter 2, um, which actually is probably not the best place to start with Movies with Mikey. Maybe go watch John Wick Chapter 1's uh, Movies with Mikey first. But I just love his style and the way he writes and talks about movies and breaks them down. He offers perspectives I don't often think of, um, but his most recent one is John Wick chapter two. And I absolutely love it. Um, it's best left as a surprise. So if you've seen John Wick, maybe go watch his John Wick one a piece first and then John Wick chapter two, cause they kind of tie together um, just like the movies do. Um, but I highly recommend that series on YouTube. He's done force awakens. He's done, um, he did Stranger Things recently, which was a really cool. That was the first time he did like a TV series, I think. Um, trying to think, he did Arrival. He's done all sorts of movies, um, and generally lets people vote for them. Guardians of the Galaxy was a voted one, uh, but sometimes he just vetoes and picks whatever he wants. So I'd recommend movies with Mikey and specifically his John Wick Chapter Two episode. Definitely, yeah, I'll have to have to give that a watch. And you know what, John Wick Chapter Three just got confirmed, so they're going to be making mm-hmm. that. Um, but if you want to, something to watch in the movie theaters, uh, just got back from watching Kingsman, the golden circle. And I know yes, you saw good. that it is good, buddy. Go, go <laughs> watch that. Uh, go check that out. If you have not yet got to see the first Kingsman, of course, but oh, you have I to. mean, if you haven't yet, what are you doing? <laughs> Slacking is what you're doing. Uh, you gotta, gotta I bring like in that, that Reggie. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> sort of thing. <laughs> Go go check that out, Max Roberts. Thank you so much. What a what a delight to have you on. And it's an extra long episode of the Power Switch, so kudos if you've all tuned in this long. But uh, really, a lot of fun. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me on. Of here. course. And so, on behalf of Max, you know, keep checking our Discord channel. It will uh, you know post when we're going live there. I know this was a, an oddly timed episode. I got a jet on this business trip, so we couldn't do our normal Sunday recording. But we can also follow our Twitter for updates there regardless whether it's live or on your own time i look forward to you joining us for our next episode with that i am peter spasia until next time switch up call in game on <laughs>